Our lesson today comes from the 25th chapter of Isaiah. We're focusing on the topic, God Saves. This is our fifth lesson in our study of Isaiah. Just to review, the book of Isaiah was written during a period from about 740 to 700 B.C. Isaiah's audience was primarily the southern kingdom of Judah, but he also addressed many of the surrounding nations with messages of God's judgment for their sins. Chapters 13 through 23 were all about God's sovereignty over all nations. This week, our focal passage is Isaiah 25, 1 through 10. This chapter is in the middle of a section called the Little Apocalypse, which bears some similarities to the books of Revelation, Daniel, and Zechariah. This section covers chapters 24 through 27. These apocalyptic writings depict God's breaking into his creation in a way that results in massive upheaval. Chapter 24 describes God's utter destruction of the whole earth as punishment for people's sins. The theme of this whole section is that God's judgment is a form of correction that leads to redemption and restoration. God's punishment has a purpose, and that purpose gives hope and leads the faithful to sing praises to their God. Chapter 25 begins with such an exclamation of praise to God. Let's read chapter 25 together as we begin. Verse 1. O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name, for you have done wonderful things, plans formed of old, faithful and sure. For you have made the city a heap, a fortified city of ruin. The foreigner's palace is a city no more. It will never be rebuilt. Therefore, strong peoples will glorify you. Cities of ruthless nations will fear you. For you have been a stronghold to the poor, a stronghold to the needy in his distress, a shelter from the storm and a shade from the heat. For the breath of the ruthless is like a storm against a wall, like heat in a dry place. You subdue the noise of the foreigners as heat by the shade of a cloud, so the song of the ruthless is put down. On this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. For the hand of the Lord will rest on this mountain, and Moab shall be trampled down in his place, as straw is trampled down in a dunghill. As he will spread out his hands in the midst of it, as a swimmer spreads his hands out to swim, but the Lord will lay low his pompous pride together with the skill of his hands, and the high fortifications of his wall he will bring down, lay low and cast to the ground, to the dust. When you have a plan and implement it successfully, doesn't that bring you satisfaction? 
Lots of things can happen to make our plans go awry. However, when a plan comes to fruition, it is very fulfilling because of all our hard work and preparation that has paid off. Isaiah praised God because he is sovereign and none of his plans can be thwarted. Verse 1 begins with an affirmation of the personal covenant relationship between God and his people, where it says, O Lord, you are my God. This is important because our relationship with God provides us with the right perspective as we observe his past acts in history and anticipate his future judgment and restoration. In Bible times, rulers place their names on places or even groups of people to show their ownership and control over them. When we praise God's name, we are acknowledging his greatness and sovereignty over us. Being his possession gives us great joy. The last part of verse 1 tells us that the wonders of God that Isaiah prophesied were planned long ago and carried out in perfect faithfulness. It says, For you have done wonderful things, plans formed of old, faithful and sure. Nothing in history catches God by surprise. Even when things are surprising or shocking to us, we can be sure that events are unfolding exactly according to God's plan. We can trust and praise God because He is, has always been, and will always be in complete control. The next couple of verses, verses 2 and 3, talk about how God destroys cities and nations who resist Him and think that they can thrive on their own without God. Read those. It says, For you have made the city a heap, the fortified city a ruin. The foreigner's palace is a city no more. It will never be rebuilt. Therefore, strong peoples will glorify you. Cities of ruthless nations will fear you. In the end, all these people who are described as strong and ruthless will acknowledge God's control and give him glory because they witness his power over their own efforts and accomplishments. In contrast to the proud and wicked nations whom he overthrows, the Lord provides refuge to the poor and needy. He says there in verses 4 and 5, For you have been a stronghold to the poor, a stronghold to the needy in his distress, a shelter from the storm and a shade from the heat. For the breath of the ruthless is like a storm against a wall like heat in a dry place. You subdue the noise of the foreigners as heat by the shade of a cloud, so the song of the ruthless is put down. These verses depict God as a shelter and covering over the oppressed when they face ruthless attacks. The Bible repeatedly makes it clear that things will go poorly for those who treat some people as less valuable than others. Every person has value as a bearer of the image of God. Isaiah uses weather imagery here of both a shelter from the storm and a cloud to protect from the sun's oppressive heat. God will set all things right in his perfect timing. If you've ever been out in the desert, you're suffering under great heat, you know that a cloud or some cloud cover is a real relief 
In the same, when you're facing a storm, if you can get under some type of tree or cave or even in a building to get shelter, you feel greatly relieved in those circumstances. That's the way God is for those who are being oppressed by others. He provides that shelter to keep them from being harmed. How do you feel when someone more powerful than you treats you badly or unfairly? What are you doing to prevent yourself from oppressing others? Especially in today's context, we as believers must check ourselves to make sure that we are treating everyone with dignity, kindness, and respect, just as God does. The next section of this chapter gives us an image of feasting with God in heaven after the resurrection. Verses 6 through 10. We'll start with verse 6 where it says, On this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow of aged wine, well refined. The mountain in verse 6 refers to Mount Zion in Jerusalem, a metaphor for the new heaven and earth that God will create. The important thing here is not the place but the presence of Almighty God. Him being here there makes all the difference. He is described as the Lord of hosts, or another way of saying it, the Lord of armies, the commander of the armies of heaven, which reminds us of his ultimate power to accomplish his will. At this feast, God will serve his people fine, well-aged wine and the choicest cuts of meat. The portions of meat and wine that he gives his people remind us of what he commanded them to offer up to him as fellowship offerings. He gives us back what he's asked us to give to him over our lives. This fellowship meal celebrates a restored relationship with God, the God of the universe. That's what's most important about this meal, not the quality of food or even where it is, but that it's a sign of our fellowship and relationship with the Lord. Verses 7 and 8 begin a description of how God will ultimately destroy death forever. Those verses say, And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. He will swallow up The burial shroud and the veil, as it is described there, symbolizing the death that we all face and eliminating death as our greatest enemy. This verse is paraphrased in 1 Corinthians 15.54, which says, Death is swallowed up in victory, showing a different perspective of how God gets the victory over our greatest enemy, death. The promise that God will wipe away all tears is also repeated in Revelation 21.4, saying exactly the same thing, and he shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes as he describes the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven. 
Even though God's people are often ridiculed and treated badly throughout this life, God will remove that reproach once and for all when he establishes his heavenly kingdom. The ones who remain faithful will have their faith vindicated by the Lord. The concluding phrase of verse 8, For the Lord has spoken, reminds us that God's promise is sure and that he that we can be certain that one day we will joyfully spend eternity with him can you think of a celebration meal that you remember fondly in your life what made it so special i can remember many christmas dinners at my grandparents house in houston with large gatherings of relatives and friends the house was full and it was just an atmosphere that I will never forget. It was warm and joyful both because of the occasion of celebrating Christ's birth and also because of the love and generosity my grandparents showed to all who gathered in their home. Those memories are etched in my mind forever even though both of my grandparents have gone on to be with the Lord. This experience will be magnified infinitely when all of the redeemed throughout history gather to celebrate in God's presence forever. The conclusion of our focal passage today in verses 9 and 10 speaks of the day of the Lord. It says in verse 9, It will be said on that day, speaking of the day of the Lord, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation, for the hand of the Lord will rest on this mountain. The day of the Lord is a common theme throughout the Bible. It speaks of a day when God comes in judgment and to consummate his plan for the ages. In contrast to verse 1, the phrase, This is our God, uses the plural pronoun instead of the singular in verse 1, You are my God, because it shows that God has included all the nations in his kingdom at that point in the end of time. Verse 9 describes salvation as a work of God. He initiates salvation by his sovereign grace, and he accomplished it through the work of Jesus on the cross. As with all other good gifts, salvation comes only from God, and no one has a claim to this gift except by His permission. Only those who turn from their sins and put their trust in Christ alone, fully in Him, may be saved. The first part of verse 10 tells us that God's power and presence will rest on His mountain. In the end, at God's feast, the divide between God and humanity caused by sin has been removed. Death has been swallowed up and therefore destroyed. This is the picture of God truly with us. As you recall from a couple of weeks ago in the lesson on chapter 7, the word Emmanuel, God with us, was promised in that verse. And now that that situation is... Put into reality, God is with us. 
there in the end as we celebrate with him in heaven. This passage, chapter 25, began with an affirmation of God's sovereignty over the nations. And it concludes with a picture of eternal fellowship with him for the saved. Based on God's predictive prophecies of many events in history that came to pass just as he told us that they would, we can have complete confidence that what he promises to us for eternity will also happen exactly according to his plan. We can praise him now for these future events because we see them with eyes of faith. Let's pray together as we close this lesson. Lord, I thank you for your sovereign control over all the events of history. Lord, how we can see that from what was predictive prophecy in the Bible having been fulfilled to uh, throughout history, you're continuing to work and bringing to completion your plan that you set out to do at the beginning of time in a very short order as far as we can tell. Lord, help us to be prepared for that, to be in a right relationship with you, or to rejoice in you, to lift you up and give you praise, because you are so worthy of that. Lord, help us to treat others as you treat them, with, with complete respect and dignity, Lord, as examples of you in this world, Lord. And we pray that all of us will find peace and comfort knowing that you are in control no matter what's going on around us each day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.